But like it kind of keeps me going because I think haters are just fans of just negative attitudes. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Sam Woods. I am Kyle Hagee. And I'm Benjamin Rangel, and today we give you hope. Yes. We give you inspiration. Yes. We give you Bria Smith. We certainly do. And as you heard in the intro, and you will hear in this Milwaukee talkie today, Bria might have some haters, but I can guarantee you that after you hear this episode, you and others will become her biggest fan. If you are concerned for the future of our country, I encourage you to look toward the youth, and particularly young people like Bria. She is the creator of Honey For Your Tea, a platform for young girls of color to express their experiences with oppression, discrimination, and identity misrepresentation. To grant Miss Her Girls the voice that has been unjustly silenced by society and repressed into seclusion. And it's also the website with the dopest name out there. You're also going to hear about how Bria was a part of the March For Our Lives movement, maybe you've heard of that and touring around the country. She's also getting tweeted at by Bernie Sanders, featured on The Guardian, and empowering young people throughout the country to get active in our government and society. And, you know, Bernie, we've all felt the burn, okay? The Guardian, the Guardian's okay, but I think her most important feature has to be Bridge the City. Kyle, you're certainly a fan of Bria's. Uh, what was your initial impression from her interview? Well, this was one of my favorite interviews, and I don't want to give too much away about the episode, but I'm going to say a few things. First, it's provocative, and second, it's going to get the people going. Sam, sad you couldn't join us in this one, but you've listened. I saw your face. You were inspired. <laughs> Is there anything you want to preview for our listeners to get them excited as well? Well, you got me, Ben. This was one of my favorite episodes as of late because it highlights an extremely important voice voice in Milwaukee. And if you didn't believe in the power of young people before, you will now. Bria, talk to those haters. My name is Bria Smith. I'm a Milwaukee native. I was born in the Harambe neighborhood. I'm 17. I'll be a rising senior at Franklin High School. I would say I'm a youth advocate. I do advocate for a lot of youth in my community, mostly people of color who do not have a voice or a seat at the table. I represent the 6th District on the Youth Council. I'm also part of Pearls for Teen Girls, which is a nonprofit here in Milwaukee that benefits girls and give some leadership abilities. I'm also part of March for Lives, forgot to say that. I was thrown onto that organization to speak about inner city gun violence and how it affects lots of youth of color on a day-by-day basis, and it's kind of overlooked in media. So it was nice to add another perspective to the gun violence conversation. So it seems like you're doing plenty here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So did you always have this activist mindset since you were a kid? How did you come to take on so many roles here in Milwaukee? That's a great question. I mean, have you guys heard of the Chapter 220 program before? Uh, I have not. So the Chapter 220 program, I live on um, the north side of Milwaukee. So like, in, like you know where MLK Drive is? Mm-hmm. I like right, like one street over on 2nd Street. Okay. So that's like the heart of the inner city. And the Chapter 220 program takes um, kids from inner cities and take them on a bus. We all go pile up on a bus and we drive like to a neighboring suburban uh, school to diversify that school. So my school is majority white. Mm-hmm. So I guess I started to get into activism when I realized that a lot of the people I was around didn't look like me and they didn't like share the same struggles or the same experiences that I did. And like, I couldn't, I was never comfortable speaking up on issues that affected brown and black people because my friends couldn't relate with it. Growing up, you get aware and like you get conscious about different things that you're affected by, like uh, shootings or um, lots of liquor stores placed in my uh, community. That instead of like having fresh fruit markets, we had liquor stores and like lots of homelessness and all these different things that 
I would leave this bubble and then enter a very affluent white neighborhood and affluent white privileged kids and like go into that bubble and it was hard for me to adapt to both different like both of the spectrums. I started getting nonprofits to like find myself and like find my culture and I know that sounds cliche but it was like one of the best experiences that I could have done or like pathways I could have went down because like it really really helped a lot to like be involved with the youth in my community. But I think what really like drove me was just this year um, I was in Mexico with my family and someone sent a photo of our water fountains mm-hmm. and it said white and colored over them. And yeah. It was in 2018 yeah, of this year high at my high school at um, Franklin High School. And like that's what like, I was just angry, you know, because like, I was I was trying to like create a Black History Month event. Like we never had one. My school's been open for 20 years. And I was trying to like form a relationship with the administration and like do all these different things like create a BSU, like trying to be there for the black community. But mm-hmm. like. Someone put, posted white and color over our fountains. And I was just like a slap to the face, and I was sent ten steps backwards because that's not what I was working towards. So somebody literally like printed out a picture of white and colored and put it. It was over. it was two post-it oh, notes. Two, okay. Yeah, put two post-it notes on it, and, and someone, then they took a picture. Someone took it. a photo. The, the the boy took a photo of it, like reported it right away, but um, he wanted evidence, and I'm happy that he did that because we got publicity for a week, but then it was just washed away by mm-hmm. media again, and like no one mm-hmm. ever talked about it. My administration didn't even debrief with the black students there until I came mm-hmm. back and I actually said something because I'm not the type of person that just like lets shit slide. Like, oops, yeah. sorry. No, you can swear. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> sorry. Like I was I'm not just, syndicated like, by any. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> So that was really, like, kind of fueled me to do things like that and be the voice for, like, black and brown individuals because it's been, like, years that we've been talking about gun violence if I want to talk about that conversation and, like, we've never been given, like, a widespread platform to speak our truths or, like, our own experiences because mm-hmm. growing up, like, I'd hear gunshots from my window and think it's normal. That's just another day. Like, if I don't go to sleep, I hear gunshots and that that's a weird day and that shouldn't be okay. Like, I shouldn't be guessing what kind of gun is being shot off with my brothers outside in front of our house. I've seen this online and elsewhere that report that the publicity, the amount of notoriety that the March for Our Lives movement has gotten is because it, the beginning, at least, the inception of the movement was predominantly by white students. Mm. Do you think that's a fair critique in that, um, I, I assume going off of that logic, is that this violence has been happening within yeah. communities of colors for years and little publicity has been spent. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a fair criticism to say that, like, it only happened because these students are white, or is that kind of too generalizable in a way? I mean, I'm not going to lie and not, be, and not be, like, real with you guys. Like, when it first happened and they got, like, this big monument, like, March Falls at D.C., Oprah mm-hmm. donating $500,000, all these different things, and all these people actually paying attention to, like, gun violence, it made me upset because I experience gun violence every day, and no one's ever given me money to get out of Milwaukee, or no mm-hmm. one's ever, even Black Lives Matter, such a widespread organization funded since Trayvon Martin died in 2012, they were not given money like that, or they weren't given a uh, nor- exactly. Right. They were they were called terrorists and, and radical. And they still radical, are, still are, still are. And it made me upset because I was like, it's like we're always at the end. We have to try ten times harder to be at this table. But meeting like David and becoming friends with him and becoming friends with Emma and Jackie and everyone who are the faces of March for Our Lives, they didn't want a shooter to kill their friends. But I became friends with them and I understood that they do it from the bottom of their heart. And like um, when I told them my story. 
they were like, I never knew that because they're from a white affluent area and they've never been to Milwaukee and understood like the demographic of it, the people here and like how there's so many barriers. But part of like the I am, I call like a racially oppressive box that confines people of color in these four walls and we can't get out. We come to a conclusion that gun violence shouldn't be determined by where you live or like what color of your skin. When you think about reality, of course they're gonna listen to a white boy with blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm on the upper side of black girl with black hair and brown eyes. Like that's just reality. And mm-hmm. like being aware of that and addressing that and understanding that you can use your privilege for good is how you like progress in a movement. And that's what March for Lives is doing. We're being very inclusive and diverse of all these different people. But that's a big critique. Like um, we went to Southern LA and that's all everyone talks about. Like we met with different people from Black Lives Matter. They're like, it took like white kids getting shot for this to be a big issue. I give them props for understanding that, but it's also no one wants to be shot, you know, to talk about gun violence. It shouldn't happen. So how long were you on tour with the March for Our Lives group? Because you were all over, Mm -hmm. right? And what are some of the conversations that really uh, stuck with you for good or for bad? I mean, I joined, what on my dates? Summer. June. Okay. <laughs> I joined like the end of June uh-huh. when they came to Milwaukee. I spoke in a panel and then like I remember them asking me if I wanted to get dinner and I was like, yeah, free food. Like, of course yeah. I'm going to go. <laughs> and then Michael Skolnick pulled me to the side and he's like, do you want to join on tour? And I was like, you guys know that meme? And the guy's like, what? That was my face. I was like, what? Okay. I'm like, sure. When are we leaving? He's like, tomorrow morning. I'm like, ha, ah, Okay. So I had to convince my mom, my, my, my dad, like, can I go? Yeah. That was the last week of the first leg. And then okay. actually my favorite experience happened during the first leg was when we went to Standing Rock. We went with like youth leaders there, Native American youth leaders, and they showed us like the reservation and how it was just so barren. And they showed us a documentary of like when they were protesting to protect their water and like police were just like spraying them with like um, pepper spray and water mm-hmm. and hoses and like, like the dogs. Exactly, free look like, below zero. And like we stood there as she cried because she hasn't visited her reservation in, in months. And it was just like that's when it was a wake up call to me because as they were speaking about how gun violence is kind of police brutality in their area because not a lot of people like just come and start shooting randomly. But like it, I kind of related with it because even with the, the Sherman riots two years mm-hmm. ago in 2016, yeah, that's when I was like, we have like some sense of intersectional like approaches when it comes to that. We're from different sides, like we're both minorities, but like we understand that gun violence is prevalent everywhere. And like, um, it wasn't, we didn't really talk about like gun violence there in San Iraq, just mostly how they're being profiled and followed around by people that live in that area. It just shows that like, youth really just want to be successful, but there's so many different people that like kind of hinders you from getting that success. And that's what really stayed with me because like we exchanged gifts. We ate a lot of fried bread and that was really good. And they gave us gifts and like, they were just so happy that we were there. That's what shows you that good doesn't come to every place. These people really, really needed this. Like they needed this drive and this mm-hmm. like push to actually continue um, attaining their justice. And I was just like so privileged to even sit in a seat in the room with them. So to understand Bria's perspective, you need to know a little bit more about her school. She attends Franklin High School. The city of Franklin is located just southwest of Milwaukee, and it's pretty split politically. However, Bria's school isn't necessarily diverse. According to US News, Bria is part of just 23% of students of color throughout Franklin, where in MPS, 86% of the students are students of color. So given the demographics, we are interested in how her peers were responding to her activism at Franklin. I remember after Parkland happened, I was sitting at the youth council and I was like texting my friends like, this is crazy. And then like, it was kind of like the vibe at my school, like as a joke, like, people took it like not seriously. Mm-hmm. They were like, and you know how like you have like that person that wears like the trench coats 
like that person's a school shooter like just like bullying that person and kind of like just saying stuff like that and i remember um i, I organized the walkout on march uh 14th okay. and i was in dc for youth council and i was like on in the airport like doing everything getting everything finalized and then i got a call that one of my friends had shot and killed himself um that same day the day before the walkout and then i remember going home that night and i had all the signs next to me and like i was trying to organize everything and i was just like oh my god like this is full circle like he had a gun he had all this you guys heard of red flag laws so red flag laws is like when you see someone kind of uh exhibiting behavior of like suicidal thoughts then you like call and contact someone and get their gun removed and like he's been doing that like for a long time and it came full circle and i was like this is why this movement is so important because like so many lives are being lost his life could have been saved if someone had said something and i remember having the walkout and the administration administration were very like lenient about it but then like i tried to i created a group called students implementing success in my school it's kind of like a political movement where we talk about social issues everything was like fire 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 for a couple of weeks and everyone was so like happy to be a part of the movement but it kind of like died off at the end of the school year but we had i remember having two um threats of school shootings like two students like coming in to shoot up the school so i didn't go to school because like it, to be honest i'd be a target like i'm like the only black person there so mm-hmm. i'm like let me like save myself but um people took jokes out of it like i got a lot of backlash like boys like sliding in my dms like you can't take my gun away things like that i got a lot of like good reception from like a lot of my friends and like teachers and some other people who wanted to be supportive and wanted to use their voice but then also i have to think about the era that i'm in my mom always tells me this continuously like remember like who you go to school with and like their privilege and things like that so like i got a lot of backlash from them but like it kind of keeps me going because i think haters are just fans of just negative attitudes like they're still my fans <laughs> so you mentioned red flag laws and i know a big march for our lives objective was voter registration too and making sure that you can get politicians or policies in place to prevent these did you get a sense that this was building some movement in terms of those laws or in terms of voter registration while you were on tour yeah actually we always keep updated with like uh if it, the voting turnout rises and like a lot of it has been rising like i think yeah. wisconsin rose like three percent five percent i think that's great because a lot of youth do not vote because they don't have like voting education or registration within high school and i think that should be like a law passed we've gotten a lot of like good feedback like yeah i'm gonna go vote now because this is a really big issue and i want to be a part of the movement i don't want to say this movement is just for youth because like adults matter too but like we need to have our youth involved because like we're the future and we're going to be tomorrow and if we aren't like present in today in this present right now then like our future is not going to be taken care of and we'll be just like our parents like trying to fix everything Mm -hmm. while it's too late and like that's not acceptable so what are you doing with the youth council what have been some highlights of that um, and what have you learned about the city through that program i mean i'm not always the type of person to be like involved in politics i never seen myself like because like I don't know. I couldn't see myself as, like, mayor or anything. But, like, I wanted to join it to, like, get, like, an insight of, like, how the city works. And, like, I joined the Youth Council, like, this year, like, in September or October. And it's been really awesome. Like, I remember one of the biggest highlights of this year is, like, we took, like, a... I think it was a $98,000 allocation and we distributed it to different youth nonprofits within mm-hmm. the Milwaukee. They came in, they had a little interview yeah. and then we sat there and like we kind of debated on how much money to like allocate. Yeah. So that was a really, really, really dope um, thing that we did and I'm happy. And we're still, uh, we had another allocation and we're still going to have the process of um, distributing it again this summer. So I'm really excited for that because you meet lots of different organizations that you never knew were out there that need money because so many are underfunded and you know, have like the means or like the resources Sources to get money. I'm interested in why you wouldn't be uh, like why don't you see yourself get involved in politics? 
I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm too, like, blunt with, like, an impulsive of my decisions. If I see that you should have something, I'll give it to you. And a lot of, like, well, politicians don't really want to do that for people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just you have to do what's right. And sometimes politicians can't do that all the time because, like, of what their job uh, title entails. So I want to talk about the website. Ah, yay. Honey yes. for your tea, is that correct? <laughs> yeah. One, that's the dopest name like, I've ah, ever thanks. heard. thanks. <laughs> so what was the inspiration for that website, and how did you come up with the name? <laughs> I remember being in the car with my mom and my sister. My sister, she's a local artist around here, so she like dildos and like lots of wordplay. And mm. I remember us talking about doing something for like girls of color, things like that. And I've had this idea since like September. We were like just like saying, what should we do? What should we do? I want to do like, because I love writing. I, I wanted to do journalism. But now I don't know what I'm going to do because like my life just uprooted. I remember just saying like, well, the tea kind of symbolizes like, you know, when someone tells you like spill the tea, like spill mm-hmm. the truth, like a little fad that happened. And it resembles like your truth about being like yourself, or like in this case, like a girl of color in like white America. And then the honey is like how you sweeten that, like kind of like you found your self love, like your self confidence, and where it was able to like make the tea a little less bitter. I mean, like you still have that truth, and it's not gonna get better in the next five days, but like so you're gonna sweeten it up, you yeah. know? So like that's like where I got the idea, and I remember proposing it to different like friends. Like a lot of these people on the website are my friends, like everyone on there, I know them. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had like a stranger sit story and that's fine I was able to get them to send in their stories and like have the entire concept but I was always afraid to like propose it to people you know because like now people like take that like people don't really like like the idea because they don't like like people coming out and speaking about things that actually bother them and like that's what's so radical about the website because like I actually go in and like my story like I'm not afraid to like share it because like it's what makes me me like what's mm-hmm. the point of like lying about something so is the hope uh, that people come to the website and then read the the stories what are you hoping that they take away from the stories if you're a reader of the website as an audience i feel like i'd want them to read the stories like understand and i know there's someone me a black american and a muslim american talking about like the different experiences and like getting rid of like stereotypes and biases i want the audience to like actually sympathize with the story Mm -hmm. and like understand like there's a difference between that Mm -hmm. and um if they're interested in like sitting in their own story and be able to have like that platform to share their experiences then i want them to like write about that too and like not be afraid to act to know that your voice is like your power and you can do so much with it so the other thing on your twitter you had all these quotes (laughs) good like quotes of the day is that something that you're like passionate about finding quotes and then also do you have a favorite quote that you want to share with the listeners my favorite quote and i use this everyone makes fun of me because i use this on almost every panel before i speak our lives begin to end the day that we become silent about the things that matter and that's an mlk quote because like, i think that's so true like you cannot be an individual caring about other individuals if you see like um injustices everywhere i feel like that's so hypocritical and like for me like, if I, if I say I'm an advocate and I see um, different things happening, my life's going to end because I should be doing something about that. Those things matter, too. And, like, I can't live in peace if I know that there's corruption everywhere else. Growing up in Milwaukee mm-hmm. and it being one of, if not the most segregated yeah, city in the entire country. I think we're number country, six or five. Um, and then you go into a predominantly white school, pretty affluent. I think it gives you a pretty unique perspective on Milwaukee and the Milwaukee area. So what is your perception of Milwaukee currently and where do you think Milwaukee will be in the future uh, for better or for worse? Like I said before I call Milwaukee like a racially oppressive box that Mm -hmm. confines like people in four walls because like 
growing up um, on MLK, like all I'd see for blacks is just black people. Mm-hmm. And then I take my get on the bus, drive like 20 to 45 minutes to school, depending on who we're picking up. And then it just be like this area. It was in Milwaukee County still. So it's a part of Milwaukee, but it's called yeah. Franklin. And everyone was white. I was just like, what is this distinction? Like, why is there such a barricade between these different people? Just noticing how downtown area is so gentrified nowadays. How like everyone's kind of pushed out. And I think that Milwaukee could be better if like we fund like different like programs for uh, especially nonprofits for youth or just getting like kind of focusing on our uh, mental health awareness because a lot of like homeless people that I see and our, our homelessness is really bad too especially in my community they have mental health issues just like Dr. Hamilton he had a mental health issue but he was shot 12 times by the cops and police brutality also is a part of the gun violence conversation and should be addressed as well and I think that just kind of unifying everyone because I feel like we're not unified mostly. My future for Milwaukee is that we could all like live underneath here and like have like the same ideas and get rid of the competition and greed aspect of living in an inner city because like it's so pretty all the big buildings and all the corporate jobs things like that but like we don't give back to our community as much as we should. Like if you leave Milwaukee like you don't come back and that's just like what happens. It's like like the west side of Chicago you leave and you don't come back and I think that like that should be a mindset that should be shifted. We should like give back and like help people who are um, who don't have it as much as we do, and that's not everyone to be like a humanitarian because that's not everyone's like perspective or personality. But mm-hmm. that's how you progress as a city, and we can't leave everyone out and that that doesn't qualify for a spot or a seat at the table. So do you imagine uh, if you do go to attend an HBCU, do you uh, see coming back to Milwaukee in your future? At first, taking okay. what you learned in at university mm-hmm. and applying it uh, to the city. Yeah, at first, like. If you had asked me that question like two months ago, I'm like, I'm never coming back. And I had like, I, I was speaking like a hypocrite, but like I had like that. I was like, I don't want to come back here if I feel like I'm not going to like become influential and like become successful. But like going on tour and meeting all these different people who like are like hungry to create change, but they don't mm-hmm. have like the resources and all the different nonprofits like not that Milwaukee has. Like, we have so many and you like, you can't even like put all of them in the same room. There's so many. And I think that if I do leave, I, I get attain all my knowledge and come back and like apply it here. Cause that's what's important. Like I, I was born and raised here. I can't just like leave and not want to come back and like help. What would you recommend if uh, someone's listening to the podcast, how can they, take a concrete action step to make Milwaukee a better place. Since Milwaukee is like one of the most segregated cities, I think that like cultural exposures and having conversations like mm-hmm. that and kind of like explaining different backgrounds and ethnic groups and having everyone come together. Not like everyone is ever so big, but like just different people who are so like who want to know and have a better understanding. It's like understanding someone that's different from you is like the first step to progressing towards change because you need to be able to advocate for every single person not just those who look like you mm. so i think that you, the youth are doing a great job about that because like i have lots of friends who aren't just black and like mm. but we need people who are conditioned to the idea that you need to hang around this certain group to come to the table and like understand that we can move forward and have these discussions and have these conversations about having like change yeah. if you talk to those who aren't like you yeah. and like I remember doing a speed dating with, like, governors, who, people who wanted to be elected as governors. They're all just, like, really old white men. And I'm like, what can you do for me? And he's like, well, let me know. And I was so shocked by that because I've never had someone ask me, like, what I want. And I was like, Ugh. So like, I think that it's important if you want to be that person to, like, reform Milwaukee, then you need to understand the person that doesn't have it, as like, like you do. If you're privileged or if you're underprivileged, talk mm-hmm. to those at different spectrums because you – like, our, we're so versatile here. We're so different and diverse. And we need, like, to come together and, like, have those discussions because they're so important. 
Freya is an important person in the national movement to reform legislation on gun control. What she's providing is a perspective that will ensure that reform will not only make schools a safe place and free from gun violence, but urban communities safe too. Communities that have been plagued by gun violence for generations were initially left out of the conversation following Parkland, but she's able to bring them back into the conversation. She's able to bring attention to the challenges people in Milwaukee face while simultaneously addressing how gun violence can take many different forms. Police brutality at Standing Rock, the tragic story of her friend committing suicide, the shooting of Dontre Hamilton in Red Arrow Park here in Milwaukee, and of course the shootings in Parkland. Bria keeps the dialogue nuanced and important for communities around the country. Because Bria Smith is one of the most inspiring Milwaukeeans in America right now, it can be easy to think that the national politics are where you can make the biggest difference. But I think Bria's action step of purposefully seeking out and engaging with different people and cultures is a fantastic one in general, but also fantastic specifically for residents of Milwaukee. One of our favorite things about Milwaukee is its distinct neighborhood identities and the independently rich cultural histories of those neighborhoods. So take advantage of the nice summer weather that we have left and go exploring. Get to know the residents, community groups, and institutions of other neighborhoods and find out how you can take local action today. Bria obviously said some very impactful things, but something that really stood out to me was her acknowledgement of her own privilege when she was at Standing Rock with Native Americans. Before and after this, she discussed the many ways in which communities of color in Milwaukee lack privilege in certain areas, but she was still self-aware enough to realize there are contexts in which she is the one with privilege. She also stated that people with privilege can be part of movements as long as they are using that privilege to progress us all forward. I would encourage everyone to think of a context in which they do have privilege or do have an advantage and how they can use that privilege to mold society into a more equitable place. We all have the potential and the strength to bridge the city, even if it may be in a small way. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with Bria as much as we did. It is really cool to know that this national movement has a powerful Milwaukee voice. We hope you continue to follow and support Bria. Much thanks uh, to her for being on the episode. And please check out our website, honeyforyourtea.com. If you know a young woman of color who has a story to share, please tell them to share their story on Honey For Your Tea as well. And thank you to City of Milwaukee for hosting the interview. Uh, As always, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. A special shout out to all the people who personally told us that our election special episodes helped inform them and motivated them to get out and vote for the primaries. Don't forget, November, there's another election. And we are currently in production of an episode on police community relations, so stay tuned for that. And as always, let us know how you are helping bridge the city. Bridge the city. Bridge the city. Yeah. Bridge the city. Yeah. Gotta bridge the city. The city.